I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Hey, you know it's Taz and Moose. You know it's Taz and Moose. Hey. All right, Taz and the Moose. Bogus in the house. Taz is off here on this Tuesday morning. Mark Malusis, as is the custom with you, as we come to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. Baseball dominating a lot of the conversation here on this Tuesday morning. Why not? After what was a very, very entertaining home run derby that went Pete Alonso's way. But Peterson and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. putting on an absolute show. You got the Midsummer Classic tonight. Uh, let's welcome aboard uh, the very talented Adam Fisher, SNY MLB analyst, former executive with both the Mets and the Atlanta Braves. And he joins us now. Hey, Fish, Mark Malusis, and Andrew Bogus with you. Thanks, uh, thanks for a couple minutes this morning, but we certainly appreciate hey. it. Hey, I appreciate it, Moose. Thanks, man. Yeah, you, uh, yeah, yeah you, good to talk to you guys. Yeah, you all got right, it, Adam. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a, I mean, you know, Adam, we were talking about it earlier on, uh, you know, Andrew and myself. Well, I mean, what a perform. What a, it was really a, a, take it for what it is. We understand it's an exhibition, it's a home run derby, but. You know, the round with Peterson and Guerrero was fantastic. Alonzo had a game plan going in. I mean, I thought last night was a good night for Major League Baseball. Absolutely. It was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, certainly you're showcasing a bunch of young stars, three really good young players in, in the final. Well, four, really, if you want to. I mean, Peterson's been around a lot, but he's certainly not no, no old guy, you know. So, so four really good young players. You had drama, um, you know, Clearly, home runs are are uh, are being pushed, and uh, and last night was was obviously one for the ages. The only having said that, the only sort of negative is that they do seem to just go out like like uh, it, like they're nothing, right? I mean, that's one thing that I feel has really evolved over the last twenty years or so. I don't know. I I'm not I'm not old here, but I just feel like. Some of these home runs aren't particularly earned. As, as fun as that was last night, those balls are just popping out, you know? Yeah, but I guess if, you, if it goes 450 and only should have gone 420, I mean, I don't, I don't know if we're, if we're nipped. But, I, but when you watch old videos, like this morning I saw a clip from 86 with Wally Joyner and Daryl Strawberry in the Astrodome. And Wally Joyner, who shared the title with Strawberry, I don't know what the setup was that year. But, I mean, he's just kind of like it's BP. Like he's not even swinging hard. And he's just putting him over the fence by a little bit. Like I, I I'd rather have the moonshots yeah. of last night. No, I, I think I, no doubt. I, I can't argue with that. I mean, it's absurdly entertaining. There's no question. Um, you got to You got to give them that. I just feel like just in terms of just in terms of how the ball goes, just off the bat, it, you, you know, it's hard to you. You used to be. I just. I guess to to differentiate, you used to just be able to. At least for me. I could feel like a homer. Wow, he really got that. And now it just seems like you don't necessarily know. It's off the end of the bat. It's not square contact. It's a pop up to right field and it goes out. Yeah. You know, those are those are the things that that I I kind of see that that are the issue. And but I I wouldn't disagree with with Andrew with with your concept there that it's certainly more entertaining to watch Vlad Guerrero and and Pete Alonso just take 
monster hacks and, and leave everything on the table versus sort of a, a leisurely game of BP, as I can imagine in my eye and my mind's eye, the way it went with, with Wally Joyner, <laughs> yeah. right? Just sort of peppering, peppering them just over the wall. You know, Adam, for Alonzo here, um, is this, I mean, it almost seems too good to be true. I mean, 30 home runs in the first 90 games, the way that he conducts himself on the field, off the field, he's a great representation for that Met franchise. He's a young, slugging power hitter. Uh, You know, good looking. It's almost like he's, you know, the perfect cornerstone piece for any franchise. It's, it's, It's not, I wouldn't say crazy to say, but certainly Moose, you know, Six months ago, you and I would be would be uh, would be pretty uh, pretty surprised, you know. If, if well, geez, pretty surprised is, is quite an understatement. But we were just talking about whether they should send him down or not, and what they're going to do with with his service and all that, and and uh, you know whether he's going to be able to win the starting job all uh, when when it comes to the Mets, and and of course now, like you said, we're talking historic historic thirty homer pace. Uh, just a great guy for the franchise. I mean, one of the biggest things for me was the defense and whether he can handle it. Um, I know that's taking this in another track because offensively he's just unbelievable. But I think that another way just to give him credit is he was atrocious when I saw him in the minor leagues as, as a first baseman. And now he's, he's at least, I mean, he's just slightly below average. I think you, you would say pretty good on picks, pretty good on turning the double play. And I just think that speaks to his work ethic. It speaks to the type of person that he is, as you mentioned, Moose. And I think, yeah, he's. I guess to say, to, I'm just surprised at how quickly and um, just what a statement it, he's making. But but there's there's no doubt he's he's a guy for this franchise for the next six to eight years. And and if if the DH is coming to the National League, that's only good news for the Mets because the defense will decline at some point. But that's that's throwing cold water on what should be really pretty much 95%, 99% positive. Now, you just said for the next six to eight years, so let me, my next question was going to be in the form of a disgruntled, angry, fearful Met fan. How much longer until Alonzo doesn't want to be a Met anymore <laughs> oh, because they're the Mets and Met fans don't get to see his entire career in New York? Well, I mean, we, I guess but my, I, I take a step back and say six to eight years is a long time, and Look, I, I, we, we know this pattern has, has tended to repeat itself, unfortunately. You know, you have, you have small, at least over the last however many years, uh, 25 years, you have small pockets of success followed by uh, uh, periods of, of probably more, of fourth, more fourth place than fifth place or third place to, to fourth place. Um, but, but obviously a lot can change. You have Jacob deGrom who wanted to be a Met. Um, and you know is is another great representative for this for this franchise. So the biggest thing for me is just the fact that because he's off to this historic pace, the whole concept of signing guys to extensions and uh, what was such a frenzy in the off season, um, it'll be a lot more challenging for the Mets to do that just based off of this rookie season right now. Um, there's not going to be. I mean, look, there's if you signed him maybe after the first three weeks, which would have been going out way on a limb. But right now, I guess the bottom line is there's no discount. If they want to get it done, uh, it's gonna they're gonna have to pay up probably premium for an extension. You know, Adam, you hit it on potted uh, with your answer with with Andrew, and he posed the question. Uh, you know, the home run rate we're seeing strikeout rates up, home run rate up. Verlander was critical of it, uh, of where you know the baseball is and and the sport is. Said you know it'll come back in terms of small ball being reintegrated in. 
and not so many teams being reliant on the home run. You know, you've been around the game for a you know for your you know majority of your professional career, um, working with the Mets and the Braves. Um, when you look at 2019 Major League Baseball, do you think what they've done here um, with the home run rate being as up as it is, do you think that's good for the sport? I I mean, having we just discussed the home run derby and how entertaining it was and. And how much fun, but but no, I mean, I, I really don't. Uh, the lack of action, a home run gives gives a lot of bang for the buck, you know. I mean, that's it's a really exciting event, obviously, but but the lack of action, the strikeouts, the relievers, uh, you know, I'd almost I'd almost uh, compare a bullpen now to to like uh, an offensive line or something, you know. It's like. They're completely on. Well, I guess if you're a fan of your team, maybe an offensive line is a bad a bad analogy. But but basically, there's just so many unknowns. Uh, you know, uh, these guys are up and down, in and out, and they're all throwing. You know, 95 to 100. It's it, it's crazy. I guess that's not really. Um, that's just sort of part of the evolution. And I got nothing against teams are looking for a competitive advantage. They're trying to find ways to win, and you can't. For me, you can't criticize that. You know, if 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 trying to find a way to win makes the game a little less entertaining, um, uh, that's the the team's mandate is to win. Uh, the entertainment should go along with winning, and I guess it's a little bit backwards right now to to give you a convoluted answer. I don't think it's the most entertaining product. I, I like to see more action. If it could be balanced out a little, I, I'd prefer home runs over small ball, no doubt. But I, I feel like it's out of balance. Adam, is there a is there a technological change that can bring this kind of back to balance, like you said, or is it just literally about theories for teams and how they want to go about their business? Maybe copycatting, you know, the Red Sox um, mixed in some situational baseball with the home runs to win the whole thing last year. If that happens again this year, is it just teams going in that direction, or can you see baseball actually changing something technical about the game to maybe help the pitchers out again? really it's it's tough to think well i mean the other but the issue i guess is you've got the for me i the bottom line is the balls right it's right been, it's been it's been addressed that, that the balls are an issue because i think if you try to these guys are hitting home runs but but moose said it they're also striking out a ton andrew um so so what do you do with that these guys are throwing a hundred um you want to give the pitchers an advantage and i mean it you know, to, to change the sort of historic home run pace, I'm not sure what you can do there. I know they talked maybe about lowering velocity, which would, of course, uh, help the hitters. I just think from a technological standpoint, it's just more about uh, how things evolve. You know, it, uh, we are seeing teams embrace uh, ultimately going against the grain. There are some teams last year, like the Oakland Athletics, who are having success again, who, may, who are finding guys who make contact. Uh, you know, in the past, they sort of, of course, with Sandy Alderson and then Billy Bean led kind of the the strikeout on base home run three true outcome revolution. The A's last year sort of uh, you know zagged whenever everyone else was zigging and and uh, and went for contact guys. So perhaps I, I think it's just going to be the ebb and flow. And as far as competitive balance goes, teams will will go back to what what other teams aren't doing to try to find that kind of competitive advantage. I think. I think though the uh, the biggest thing is, is trying to figure out a way to make these baseballs a little less bouncy. Um, but I don't. I'm not a big fan of messing with the with the. I guess I guess to take it back to to 
to uh, to your question, Andrew, I'm not really excited about messing, particularly with the distance. I know they they were planning on doing that in one of the independent leagues, and that seems pretty dangerous. The pitching distance, that is. Right, where you're going to move them out back, right? A couple feet. That's, yeah. the, that's the one of the conversations. Uh, we're talking to Adam Fisher, uh, SNY MLB analyst, former executive uh, with both the Mets and, and the Atlanta Braves. Adam, if Brian Cashman called you uh, today and, you know, ask your opinion in terms of, I need a I need a starter that's going to get my team and put them over the hump and help deliver another championship to the Yankees. Looking at you know the lay of the land about who's available with the one trade deadline come July thirty first. Which starter do you think that would be for the Yankees? Wow, that's that's a tough question. I I, I think well, there's there's one shining name out there. I, I I think it would just be a ton of fun. This is more of a fan answer, but it'd be a lot of fun to see Madison Bumgarner with the Yankees. Um, I know that uh, Farhan Zaidi has, has sort of thrown – well, I think it's just posturing. He's talking about, uh, he's talking about whether or not he's going to be, be a, a seller at the deadline. They obviously just had a, a, they had a good, good stretch, I think, where they were like 15 and 10 heading into the break, something along those lines. So, so they're, they're posturing a little bit. But, but Bumgarner, even with a, with a four ERA at this point, you could see a guy like that stepping up, and that's kind of the finishing piece that the Yankees could use to get them through the postseason. Uh, you know, some other names that, that have been bandied about. You, all, you wonder about the price also of these guys. See, Bauer's name got hot. Ken Rosenthal put that out yesterday. Uh, you've had Marcus Stroman, New York native. Uh, any of those three guys could, could certainly uh, help put the Yankees over the top through the playoffs. And, of course, a wild card. Uh, across town, Zach Wheeler uh, just hasn't. He had. I mean, as we know, uh, you know, as 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 New York uh, people here, um, he just hasn't been very consistent. But if you're looking for a guy with truly dominant stuff, probably the best. Uh, well, I, I think you can argue that the best stuff of those, those four that have been mentioned that's Zach Wheeler. So there are at least options for the Yankees. I wanted to ask you about Trevor Bauer, who you just mentioned, Adam, because the Indians, they go into the break. They've won six in a row. They're 12 games over 500. They have a wild card spot right now. They're within reach of the Twins in the Central. Can they trade Bauer as they make this push towards the postseason? It's, it's, really, in, it's really interesting. It's not something, of course, it, it, trying to contend while also building for the future. It, it, the, the Indians are in, in a unique spot. Uh, they, they obviously have, have issues with payroll and, and managing things. Um, they have to manage things very carefully as they move forward. We heard Bauer's name very, very heavily in the off season. And I think you could have asked the same question then, you know, why are they trying to trade this guy when they're legitimate contenders and they walked away with the central last year? It just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, that, that's what it comes down to trying to find that balance and clearly they are they're thinking hard about it and making that calculation and and you know weighing that that present versus future uh they are at least in the position to make some hard choices just based on how successful they've been over the past couple of years they have some leeway i think to uh to to do that if if uh if they feel like perhaps it's it's not going their way this year, you know, that makes I, sense. when you look at uh, you know when you look at all these divisional races, you know the National League Central is fantastic, right? I mean, from top to bottom, everyone's separated by four and a half yeah. games. 
The next closest race is five. Now, we're going to have a great wild card race in both the American League and the National League, respectively. That's fantastic. But do you think Manfred looks at that as being a little troubled when he's looking at seven and a half, six, 13 and a half, seven and a half, five and a half, six and a half, as far as being the separation between the division leaders and second place and all the other divisions? You know, it, it, it's not. I mean, coming off of off of all the talk the last two off seasons about competitive balance, teams not trying, all of that. I, I think uh, I think you. It, well, it doesn't seem like like it's that big a deal to 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 the head the heads of baseball. Would, would you Would you guys agree? No, I'd agree I mean, with we, that. Yeah, no, I I I don't disagree with that. I mean, it, it, because there's almost been this uh, either you know the haves and the have nots. There seems to be more of a separation in Major League Baseball now more than ever. No. Yeah, no, there is, and, and you know we talked about again. We talked about in the off season, teams trying and not trying. You've had you have a few surprise teams, but but really not that many, and and they haven't taken that. It hasn't really been anything that they've they've talked about addressing, and uh, it's been obviously a contention with with the CBA in terms of um, teams not going after free agents and the, and the players' association. I think that's that's something that they can address uh, or try to address in in this next. CBA, but but as of now, um, uh, the, they got their deal and and they're rolling with it, and th- and this is what you get: you get at least some some type of quasi tanking, um, and teams making making choices to compete or not to compete. And you know, as as you said, you're you're basically seeing it in the standings. Adam, uh, not to get too far away from right now, but it's been in my head since you said it, because it's been a battle for me personally as a lifelong baseball fan. How much longer do I have until the National League has the DH in your mind? Oh, yeah. Uh, they, well, I, this obviously was the closest we've ever come, legitimately acknowledging that it that it's it's going to happen or or very, very well could happen. It seems to me within the next within the next two to three years, I mean, they're implementing changes uh, very quickly, and there are certain things that they they can agree on. You know, the, the players' association and MLB. For me, uh, you know, you're from the players' association standpoint. Obviously, you're adding an extra hitter to right. the National League, so it's it's win win, right? I mean, that that's where the the contention and the issue with a lot of these things always comes down to those two sides butting heads, and in this case. It's MLB who holds sort of the key to the candy store, and 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 um, and they've shown that they've been open to it, obviously. So it seems like it's coming soon. I, I'm not really sure. How do you, how do you guys feel about that? I'm 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 sort of torn on the whole thing. I really enjoy National League baseball, uh, but but I do think that the DH is is probably good for the game in the long run with regard to injuries and. Uh, overall entertainment for for the younger generation. Well, you're, I, I at least I'm a lifelong National Leaguer, so I grew up when my eight hitter was my no hit shortstop, and then my <laughs> and then I had my pitcher. So I'd like to, you know I'm used to the last yeah. two spots in my lineup being basically useless until it got back to the top of it. <laughs> right. So I would like right. my first thought is no way it can't happen, and I would miss like uh, double switches are fun and running out of position players and like pinch running a pitcher it's in a you know, thirteen inning game like. I'm all for that. That's baseball to me. But the other side of it also almost makes too much sense. Like, there's no reason why the two leagues should be different. It just, like, it does it like that to me is, 
an overriding piece of logic. Like, like the they should be though. the same. But they're not. But that's now the only separation now. No, I, I get and it. And it's but just I, almost for fun. But no, I get it. But I do like the fact that the National League is more of a thinking man's game as compared to the yeah, American because, League. Yeah, but switches. have a manager like, like Mickey Callow who can't think well, about double switches and then get back <laughs> yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, that's I, – I agree with both you guys on that one. I, I, I like the thinking man's game too. Um, I think it's really cool. But, but yeah, having different rules, uh, it, it obviously creates creates competitive issues that we see – Every year in the playoffs, in, during interleague play, uh, I, I, I yeah, it's why I'm torn because I really, I really like the concept of National League baseball and 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 the strategy and all of that, and we're not seeing as much of that in the game now. And I mean, it goes kind of hand in hand with the homers, um, but we're moving in that direction, and it just makes too much sense from a rules and competitive balance standpoint. Yeah. For me, and and making the players happy with another player. Uh, well, like you said too, Adam, it's that. it's good to have. I think too in your back pocket as a GM when you're signing guys uh, that at some point they can be your DH, and you can almost hide them there because their hitting will last, but their fielding will not. Or you know, it just to me it gives you a, a, another layer of flexibility when you're roster building as well. Definitely, it's it's, an, it's a way to build depth. Uh, you know, on your roster. I mean, we, we you look at the Mets and Wilson Ramos, right? I mean, if they if they had the DH, they'd they'd have more options to be able to do things with him. Uh, that that's just one example. But when you're signing, when when you have four outfielders, four worthy outfielders, I mean, the Mets are a great example, really. Uh, you, you're talking about situations in the past where they've had four worthy outfielders. The the dream of Yoenis Cespedes ever coming back was going to create a problem. Yeah. I mean, I think um, the Cubs anymore, are too. I think if the Cubs but... could DH Kyle Schwarber, yeah, you know, things would. would be yeah. different. Or like, you know, the, the, yeah. it also gives you, you know, you're worried about days off and maybe missing your favorite player when you go see a game. But if you've got the DH, I mean, the Astros do it all the time where Altuve and Spring, like all those guys will rotate through DH and it's like a half day off. So at least I go and now I'll see him. It might not be in the field, but it like, if you go to a Met game, you'll yeah. at least see three Alonzo at bats because his day off now could be as the DH, not sitting on the bench the whole time. Absolutely, no. Uh, that it makes it makes too much sense from that standpoint, and it is it is a factor in team building. It's a slight disadvantage, I think, for the National League. You uh, know, there, there there's no doubt that that you can more easily build depth in that regard. And if you take the Astros approach, you don't necessarily have to worry as much about burning a roster spot on a true DH. You know, you know at the very at the very least, it also gives you the flexibility to build the roster you you, you know the, the way you want. I think. Adam, final one for me, and and that is uh, you mentioned about Callaway. A lot of rumors in terms of you know his future after this season. Uh, it doesn't look uh, to be all that kind for Mickey, but a lot of reports about Buck Showalter, Joe Girardi. The Mets uh, potentially uh, pursuing those two guys with with kind of the managerial responsibilities changing and it all being collaborative. You see, you know, the Mets of organization you're very familiar with, you know, spending and also bringing in guys that are kind of old school guys and Girardi and Showalter. Gee, you know, I, I think you got to throw everything on the table when you're talking about a managerial search, taking those names out of it. I mean, perhaps Girard- Girardi's been through New York. He I think both those guys, though, for old school guys, do have do have some new school leanings. That's particularly, fair. Particularly, you know, 
you know, that, that, that I think they, they've been heavily invested in statistics and all that stuff throughout kind of their managerial careers. But I, gee, I, I just think that you, you throw every name on the table. Look, last time we got Mickey Calloway, and as much as we want to sort of, we could dog the process, I, at the time I was with the Braves, and Mick, I can tell you as, as an, as an observer in baseball, Mickey Calloway was perhaps the hottest name out there. I mean, it wasn't just with the media. This guy was, ha, ha, you know, was a meteor at the time, which is crazy when you see kind of how it's gone down in New York, um, and all of the missteps. But I only highlight that just to say how sort of precarious the, the managerial search and the process can be. It's not an easy process. You, you interview a guy and, uh, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with managing. So I, 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 at the end of the day, I guess what I'm saying is this. I think you want to throw out as many, if you're going to have a managerial search, you want to throw out as many names as possible. You want to talk to as many people that you're comfortable with and drill down. This is certainly important. You whiffed on the last one. Uh, and Girardi and Showalter are guys who've been in New York. They've been in high-pressure situations. They've been in big, you know, big, big, uh, big markets. Uh, and why not talk to them? That's a big part of being the manager in New York. That, uh, that being said, I'm not, I'm not that excited about either of them anyway, particularly show Walter and how things ended for him in Baltimore. Adam Fisher, SNY MLB analyst, uh, former executive with the Mets and the Braves fish. We appreciate the time this morning. We really do. And, and enjoy the all-star game tonight. All right. All right. Thanks. You too, guys. Thanks, Moose. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, you Adam. Easy, guys. There you go, Adam. And, um, you know, he should be back in baseball relatively soon. I mean, he is a, a very, very good young baseball mind who's been in the game for a long, long time, was with the Mets for a while, then with the Atlanta Braves. And now, you know, as an analyst for SNY, but knows the game backwards and forwards. Yeah, he deserves to be able to ignore Mikey B's texts. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. He's a good man. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, it's Taz the Moose. Bogus is in the house. We got the three for you. The undercard. We take you to the top of the hour right here. CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. This is 16-year MLB veteran Chase Utley, and you're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz the Moose with you here on this Tuesday morning. Bogus in for Taz, who's off here. Our thanks to Adam Fisher for joining us earlier on uh, this hour. You can check that out, radio.com, Apple Podcasts. If you missed any of today's show, make sure to download it. We appreciate all the support. You guys have been great with that. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram, at Taz the Moose, and uh, make sure to give us a like and a follow. We love that as well. We'll get to the three, the biggest headlines you need to know here on this Tuesday morning. But Bogus, double duty, double dip. Well, not double dip, double duty. Uh, he's got your update this morning. Uh, what's going on, Andrew? I almost doing, forgot bro? I had to read this. Yes. Uh, Pete Alonso technically won the home run derby in Cleveland. But last night will be remembered for Vlad Guerrero Jr. versus Jock Peterson in the semifinals. The Blue Jay rookie beat the Dodger veteran 40-39 after the usual four minutes, a one-minute OT session, then a pair of three swing tiebreakers. Peterson, exhausted and complimentary in defeat. It was special, you know. That's a uh, 
the youngest guy to hit in the derby. He's got a beautiful swing, obviously, and uh, it was fun. Vlad Jr. hit 29 in the opening round, then only 22 in the final against Alonzo. He got his 23rd with 18 seconds left on the clock to win the $1 million purse, 10% of which he is donating to charity. Alonzo will come off the bench for the NL in the All-Star game tonight. First pitch at the Old Jake is shortly after 7.30 Eastern. As for the trade deadline later this month, Cleveland expected to listen to offers on veteran righty Trevor Bauer, and the Blue Jays getting high interest in starter Marcus Stroman and reliever Ken Giles. American Allison Risk's reward for yesterday's upset of Topps and Ash Barty is a date this morning with Serena Williams in the Wimbledon quarters. Risk got up an early break of serve, but just gave that back. Serena now serving at three games apiece in that first set. The men's quarterfinals are tomorrow. Russell Westbrook reportedly cool with being traded by the Thunder, and there's apparent mutual interest with the Heat. Westbrook is still due $170 million over the next four seasons. D'Angelo Russell is a warrior for now, thanks to the Nets signing Kevin Durant. But Russell, well aware, Golden State might trade him as well soon. I've come to realization of that, and I understand that. So whatever situation I'm in, I, I know the business side of it. So we'll just see. I can't, I can't predict it. Lastly, from the NBA, Jabari Parker signs with the Hawks. He was on the open market because the Wizards declined their $20 million option on him. And Antonio Brown says he is making an undisclosed charitable donation to settle a lawsuit brought by the family of a two-year-old whom Brown almost hit with furniture he threw off his apartment balcony in Miami back in April of 2018. Moose? All right. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Here we go, the three. It is now time for the three. We get you caught up on the three biggest headlines of the day with Taz and the Moose. Number one. Pete Alonzo out slugs Vlad Jr. to win home run derby. Yeah, Guerrero, win, uh, Guerrero won the night, as did Peterson. Um, but uh, Pete Alonzo wins the home run derby, gets the million dollars. Guerrero gets 500K and uh, $100,000 bonus for hitting the longest home run. It was a fun event. Good celebration for the sport. It is what it is. I mean, it's the home run derby. Let's not make it out to be more than what it is. Um, for a Met fan, Pete Alonso uh, made you smile last night. Um, you love him. He's a great representation for the organization, for the sport. You like, as Bogus mentioned earlier on the program, Andrew, you know, the young stars kind of gaining a foothold in Major League Baseball. Um, it's a fun event that they've made better here with the adjustments over the past couple of years. This is probably a question I should have asked Adam in our last segment. Um, there is a disconnect, at least in my head, that we keep having these derbies end with the most memorable moment not leading to the winner. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's a wrong thing. I don't know how you would fix it, but you know, but you mentioned Josh Hamilton earlier, and then last night Pete Alonso wins partly because Vlad Guerrero Jr. is exhausted. By the time he gets to the final, because he's already hit 69 home runs in two rounds and the epic showdown. I mean, I think Alonzo hit the third most homers total last night. And there is a strategy to he was going second. So he only hit one more than he needed to the first two rounds. And then obviously in the final. Um, but it just, while as, as fun as last night was, I keep thinking like, is there a somewhat of a tweak to make where... The guy who is the best hitter of the night ends up winning the whole thing, not the last man standing, so to speak. Yeah, you know what? I don't know how you could tweak that. 
You know, I, I don't know. I mean, because you then you're back to what it used to be, where you're right, just counting boring, home runs. Yeah, which was boring. I mean, it, you know, you like the mano a mano. You like the fact that uh, you know guys are going to get tired. I, I guess the best thing to do would be to pace yourself, right? So, but if you're Vladimir Guerrero and you're going first in the round, how do you exactly pace yourself? Right. You're trying to set up a number that nobody can go out there and catch. And Peterson. You know, caught him on multiple occasions. So what are you going to do? The only thing I could think of, and I don't know if this would work, if it would be fair, but you know, you do the, you have the brackets, right? So you, you got one versus eight, blah blah blah. So you win your first round, you win the semifinal in the head-to-head. When you get to the final, then your total home runs are on your docket. Like so, like last oh, night, the final I begins, and Vlad's got sixty-nine homers, and I think Alonzo had thirty-five. Right. So Alonzo would have to go first to try and get to 60, you know, to close the gap. And then Vlad could go second and repass him if and do it necessary. That way. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But, I mean, last night would have would have been over, basically. There would not have been a final round because Alonzo wouldn't have hit 35 no, he would to not get have. past Vlad. Right. So, I mean, I, I yeah, and that's a, that's a way you could go. I mean, I thought... In the end, it doesn't really matter because no. who cares in either way? Like, it's about making a memory. Like, right. the, the winner doesn't matter. The and, spectacle does. Yeah, and I think last night was memorable. Yes. I think Guerrero... Was, I think Guerrero-Peterson were memorable. I think the pure joy from Alonzo from winning the event because clearly he wanted to win the event and it meant something for him and he won himself a lot of money um, was memorable. So I... I you know, I, I think this is, a, you know, a fun few days out in Cleveland celebrating Major League Baseball. And I thought the home run derby we both did last night worked. Number two. Coco Golf's Wimbledon run comes to an end. Yeah, I mean, you're the tennis guy, Bogish. Uh, you know, she's an amazing young American uh, tennis player. She really is. And had a great run here. Uh, but it came to an end uh, at the hands of, what, Simona Halep yesterday, yes, correct? Yes, who's on the court again right now. Um, not to spoil... My 9.50 Eastern CBS Sportsman well, this morning that is going to be on Coco Golf. Um, this is maybe the most inexplicable, like, individual feat in sport. Like, I, there are things I can understand. Like, I can understand. But she is a great young no, tennis like, player. As a, a female tennis player at 15, and she's not the first, obviously, and she won't be the last. There's Hingis, there's Capriati, there's ones in between you know, Sharapova was a baby when she won Wimbledon and beat Serena. Like, the, I, I can't fathom winning that event and being a teenager. You know, like, yeah. I, like right, to do it as an adult, so to speak, like, I, I get it, I guess. I can't physically put myself in that situation and go, I could do that. Because at 15, emotionally and mentally, I would have hamstrung any talent I had. And kept myself from winning. Yeah, uh, that that's fair. I listen. I could never imagine if I go back to when I was fifteen of stepping on the court at the All England. I couldn't Club, be my buddy Mark, right? Ever and, one summer and, playing tennis, and winning matches at Wimbledon. But you know, is it just me, or has the tennis tennis dominance skewed older as compared to when we were growing up, and it skewed younger? Well, in particular on the men's side, and I think that the stat was there were more men in their 30s than not in the the, the last 16, and it just it shouldn't be that way. No, but that and when we were growing up as tennis fans watching it, I felt like it was almost like there was a certain age where you were past your prime and you were getting yeah, dominated. Like 28. By the, yes, you not were getting do, No, that's not changed. So, uh, but Coco Goff certainly. Um, 
had a, had a great run, comes to an end, but that's not the last we're going to hear from Coco here uh, moving forward. All right, number three. Number three. Report, Russell Westbrook and Heat have mutual interests. Well, there you go, Zach, giving you your, your best newsman right there. Uh, yes, uh, reportedly, Oklahoma City would like to get a deal sooner rather than later. 11 years, Russell Westbrook has been a member of the Thunder since getting drafted out of the UCLA. Um, he wants out. They want to trade him. They'll find a partner. And Miami Heat being the preferred destination for Westbrook. Another team that's interested in Russell Westbrook uh, that can go get him would be the Detroit Pistons as well. All things being even, uh, you know, the Heat are the better landing spot for no a doubt. number of reasons. Just teaming up with Jimmy Butler, be, you know, is, is far and away number one. But then you mix in Miami and Detroit and South Beach and whatnot. Again, the NBA musical chairs is is fascinating and dizzying at times to figure this all out. But the bottom line is you need to have as many stars as possible to succeed in this league. As great as Kawhi Leonard was in Toronto, it was a tremendous story. Uh, and maybe Pascal Siakam is going gonna, is gonna to be an elite player one day, a truly elite player. And obviously Westbrook, I mean, uh, the Durant injury and then Klay Thompson's injury changed the entire dynamic of the series. But Leonard... Winning a title pseudo single-handedly is not the way you go about your business regularly in the NBA. You need to hoard stars. And the Heat need somebody else to put alongside Jimmy Butler. And Westbrook may, is, is a guy that they can go get and certainly helps them, even if it brings in some drama with two very strong personalities going head-to-head there. Yeah, it's going to be, and, and we'll see how that does play out between Butler and Westbrook, if they exactly could mesh. The criticism Westbrook, number one, I mean, stat machine, no doubt, max energy, 30 years of age, is he going to get better or worse now that he's past that, uh, that uh, 30-year mark? Um, at being 30 years old and 11 years in the league. Uh, he's going to go. Oklahoma City's in full rebuild mode. I mean, I don't know when the next time we'll see their organization in a, in a relevant basketball game, but it's going to be a while. Um, and they're going to try and get as big of an asset in or assets in return for Westbrook as they possibly can. We'll see where he does end up, but uh, there are a number of teams that are going to be interested. But you also have to understand buyers be buyer beware here. There are some issues with Westbrook as, as a player as well. Stars run from him. They don't run to him. Whether or not his game meshes with other players, whether or not how big of an adjustment he needs to make in order for it to be winning basketball. But the drama never ends in the NBA, Andrew. It just sells. I mean, it's amazing how we've gone from free agency Kawhi Leonard to now Kawhi Leonard, Paul George in L.A. with the Clippers, and now Westbrook a potential drama with Oklahoma City about where he is going to end up. It's they're they're not the NFL yet. It's not the NFL it's yet, close. but the NBA has done a tremendous job of making themselves a basically year-round conversation. No doubt about it. Well said. We'll come back. We got the undercard for you. It's a Tuesday morning. CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. Listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. All right, CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is brought to you by Geico. Great news. Quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more 
on car insurance. Mark Malusis, Andrew Bogish with you here on this Tuesday morning on CBS Sports Radio. We've gone through the three. Fisher, Adam, that is. SNY MLB analyst joined us early in this hour. We wrap up the program. What haven't we hit upon on this lovely Tuesday morning? Here we go, the undercard. Taz and the Moose present The Undercard. The stories from today's rundown that we haven't talked about on the show. Hi, Michael. What do we got? All right, so reportedly Tom Brady was throwing to Rob Gronkowski yesterday on the UCLA campus. What percentage chance do you have Gronk eventually coming out of retirement? Yeah, I... I would say good if I didn't see pictures of him last week looking like he lost about 65 pounds. I mean, I, I know camera angles can play with, the, you know, your body image and, and what, <laughs> and, but I mean, he looked extremely thin, did he not, Andrew? He did. Um, I still think, and I'm not a betting man like you, I still would, would peg the odds at north of 50% for return, but I think it's more likely that it's for the 2020 season. I don't know that he comes back in, like, November this year. I think he sees an entire year play out and then gets healthy. The back feels good. He misses it. Yeah. And he can ramp things back up, and he plays in 2020. Um, yeah, I, I, I would I would probably – I don't think – I'll put it this way. I don't think we've seen the, low, the last of Rob Gronkowski on a football field. Okay. So you're with me. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know about the timing of it. When his agent comes out soon after he announces retirement and says, you know, don't be surprised if he, you know, if he plays football again. Well, I mean, that leads you to believe that, you know, he needs some time to kind of recover and get his body right and doesn't feel like he can get his body right by continuing to play football. So I, I think we'll see Gronk on the football field again. Um Maybe we hear stories. It's going to be one that, until the door is closed on 2019, Andrew, you know this. I mean, this storyline is going to continue to be out there, especially if the Pats struggle offensively. And then you start to hear reports about Gronk working out or he's putting on weight. Maybe he's going to return second half of the year, come the postseason, come a playoff run. Yeah, I think you'll see him on the football field again. Um, I'm going to miss him. I'll tell you this. He's an unbelievable player to watch. All right, next. I can't believe they just did that. Wow. Not who you think will win or who is the best team, but if you had to go to Staples and watch one of the L.A. teams, would you rather see the Lakers or Clippers live? Um, great question. I'd probably, even though I'm going to hate myself for saying this, I'll probably tell you I'd rather go see the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah, you know what, to be honest, I'll say Lakers too because I still, and shame on me, I still have not seen LeBron play in person. And I can do without Kawhi, I can do without seeing Paul George, I should see LeBron play in person. Even though we're not in peak LeBron anymore, you should see him play in in person one time. Yeah, I forget, what was the amount of points LeBron dropped at Madison Square Garden? Was it 62 or was it 59? I don't think he got to 60. He didn't get to 60. You remember when LeBron and Kobe, within a week of each other, put on shows at Madison Square Garden? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I happen to be at both of those games as a member, a credentialed member of the media. So I was lucky enough to see LeBron. I forget the amount that he scored, but put on an absolute show. It was remarkable. It really was. But no, that was peak LeBron. I, I'd still tell you it's, it's the Lakers because, I mean, the Lakers are still the Lakers in Los Angeles. 
and still LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So right. There you go. And a little All Rondo right. mixed in. Yes. Next. Oh. Oh. And finally, sticking to LeBron, reports say he'll play point guard for the Lakers. Hasn't he always been playing point guard? Yes. Yeah. I don't understand why that generated the amount of buzz and headlines. The Bulls going to go through LeBron James in pivotal moments. Is it, is it not? Well, I thought the new trendy thing was positionless basketball anyway. It's just five dudes out That's there. So why are we point. even calling him a point guard? That's another good point. You're right about that. And he got the All-Star game tonight. Are you going to be locked in? I'm going to be locked in. This locked is, in? This still means too much. This is childhood. This is summer. This is baseball. Yeah. Got to watch it. I love the player introductions. Player Agreed. introductions, great. Uh, and I, I do get into it. I like to see the different cleats that guys are wearing. It's a good night. It really is. Uh, our thanks to Mike and Pete Bogish. Good job, man. Great job this morning. Adam Fisher for joining us earlier on the program. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Enjoy your Tuesday. Till tomorrow. Peace. There's got to be a 10-second runoff here. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.